Hello folks, just before we start our regular programming, I, Jess, would like to formally invite you to Gingals' first birthday party. That's right, we made it the first year without killing it, and according to most parents I know, that's a good sign. Now we're going to be having a little drink get-together at Bad Frankie on February 13th, 2019. Uh, Bad Frankie is in Collingwood, just off Smith Street, a fantastic bar and one that the Gin Gals love to frequent whenever possible. So come on over the 13th of February, the day before Valentine's Day, a Gin Galentine's Day, if you will, and have a drink between 6 and 8 uh, to select a ticket just head on over to our Facebook page and select a free ticket but we just wanted to know how many of your delightful faces are coming along so without further ado here is our first episode of 2019. Hello all and welcome back to Gin Gals the show where we talk to distilleries cocktail makers and anyone and everything to do with gin and get to try some tasty shit. Who are you, people? I'm Gabby. I've half lost it, but I'm halfway here. I don't know. You're you're Gab half full. Yes. <laughs> I'm Ollie. The first CD I ever purchased for myself was Jennifer Lopez's J Lo. And I'm Jess. Let's get loud. <laughs> <laughs> Dur- during the time of our podcast, we've been to Eltham. We've been to Healesville. Uh, we're planning some trips interstate, but you know what there's not a lot of in the actual Melbourne CBD? Distilleries! In fact, there is only one. Uh, the one distillery we are talking about is, of course, Little Lawn Distillery, which is in a heritage-listed cottage, one of the only single-level heritage cottages left in the CBD. Um, the only one, I thought. Yeah, I think yeah. it is the only one. It was really cool going and seeing this little bit of history tucked away in amongst all of the buildings and progress happening in the city. So that was, yeah, it was really fun and really interesting. Um, we got to chat with Brad and Jared, who are the owners of Little On Distilling Co. They were kind enough to let us come in one afternoon and hang out and have a chat and taste some of their delicious gins. Yeah, it was a really comfortable environment. Like, it's very, very small. I think they said their capacity is like 20 people. Uh, but it's just, yeah, you get this lovely sense of history just being there and they are such nerds about it too like it's very cool how much they know and how much they like want to know more and they get a very nice size still inside this tiny tiny room i just don't understand how the logistics of it work yeah it was very like um con mari like they could only have the things that gave them joy yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so without further ado uh here we are with little long So how's, it, how's your formalities? How does your... Well, we'll record a little intro separately and then I'll just randomly and obnoxiously say, Hey, who are you? Uh, <laughs> so who are you? Oh, are you ready yeah, to go? Yeah. <laughs> I've been recording for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my name's Brad. Um, my background is as advertising marketing, as a creative director and filmmaker. And I started Little Lot of Stealing Co. with Jared. We've been doing this for probably like four years, getting our flavours right and experimenting with distilling and learning the backgrounds of distilling. Um, and we've, uh, yeah, Little Lon has been going for three months. Small distillery in the middle of the CBD. Fantastic. 
And a little bit about you, Jared. Are you joining in? Or? Um, yep. Yeah, I can join in a little bit. Yeah, join well. in. Um, I'm using the background a little bit, shut in a little tiny room, making alcohol. But um, So, yeah, before this background for myself was um, media sales, advertising, um, and at the moment, day job, uh, wine delivering. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, we start off every episode by asking everybody, what was the first thing that you got white girl wasted on? White girl wasted. <laughs> Absolutely it. legless. Is that white girl wasted? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the drink. Well, the drink, the story behind it, etc. Uh, is that like just, just at the first time I was actually wasted or the first time I was like really sick on a particular kind of alcohol? Is that what you're Whichever like? one is a more interesting story. Uh, probably red wine. <laughs> and it was a friend's 20th or 21st birthday party in Chapel Street, the Black Prince, I think it was called back then. And myself and my mate were uni students and we couldn't afford to go on and drink at this party for as long as all the other people could afford to drink at the party. So we sat outside at the back with a one litre box of wine each. Goon! Amazing! We had a claret and I think my friend had a fruity lexia and we bought Uncle Toby's cheeseless snacks. We were very refined, cheese and biscuits and wine in the back <laughs> park behind me. And uh, yeah, that, that ended pretty bad. I think we got to Twister at the Palace uh, and I think I left there about 10.30 at night, it was very early, and was taken home in, in the back of a Commodore. <laughs> the attention to detail. <laughs> Classic Australian story as well. I never remember Good what kind of Commodore, car. yeah. <laughs> you remember a lot considering if you were pretty trashed. Uh, yeah. It's a good memory. <laughs> it was told back to me a few times. <laughs> and yours? Um, mine would probably be, oh, drink would probably be tequila. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've really touched it since. Um, <laughs> uni days, I think me and a few mates um, were having some tequilas, heading to a club. We had a full bottle. We tried to drink it all before we got to the club. Um, I think we still had half a bottle by the time we got there, so we just took turns sculling it. Um, <laughs> I don't think any of us got in. <laughs> I don't actually remember much about that, but I just remember that um, I haven't really drunk much tequila since then. Fantastic. Well, yeah, I wouldn't be drinking much tequila. <laughs> well, you know, there'll be a craft renaissance any minute. And that would have been cheap stuff probably as well. So, yeah, yeah not, of course. I'm sure there's nice ones out there that I just haven't. The little plastic red hat on the top and everything, whoever's brand Typical. that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've read a little bit about you guys and heard a little bit about you. I know that Little On is sort of an homage to the history of the area. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and how it all came to be? Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, I guess making, uh, distilling spirits, first of all, we wanted to actually get back to the, the old way spirits are made. And so we started mashing our own grains, fermenting our own mash, etc., and wash and, and distilling from scratch. So there's that history connection of how gin used to be made from grains. Um, we were quite interested in Yenever and Geneva as well, um, being made from a malt wine. So the history, I guess, wrapped up with I guess I've got a lot of passion for Melbourne history and, and architecture and uh, yeah, we, we figured we were based in Little Lonsdale in a little tucked away space and that started to help develop our, our brand and our flavours and we just figured there's some really cool characters that lived here 100, 120 years ago with quite interesting names and, and nicknames and we thought maybe we could characterise and, and personify some of those characters within the flavours of gin that we produce and dialing up particular botanicals so that's what we've done that's the story and so far it seems to have glued together pretty well and people are, are quite interested and it's translating really well yeah that's yeah. really cool it's also good that it's in a heritage building as well 
how did you find this location and end up being able to actually open a distillery in such an old cottage in the city? Pretty impractical building for a distillery. It's still <laughs> unorthodox. It was uh, we were looking for a building for two years since the the other one we had had a permit and it was it was cancelled or, or building was sold. So it took a while knocking on red brick buildings, old heritage buildings um, that were all one at one stage or another in the last two years earmarked for redevelopment. So they've all been developed right now. So all those are turned into apartments down Little Lonsdale Street. We developed a brand around Little Long. We love the the history, which not a lot of Melbourneans really knew. So we thought there's a way to educate people and bring people back to it. But I found this building. I walked around it one day. I knew about it because it's quite important. It's got its own Wikipedia page. It's it's quite a precious building. Uh, I looked in the window one day and it was empty. And I thought, oh, maybe I should try and track down the owner. And that took many phone calls and emails and some time. Pitched the concept to them eventually, and then it took six months to get a lease agreement. Got a lease agreement. I thought, okay, this is great. We only have 12 months, though, so it's almost like a pop-up distillery, if you could call it that. So a lot of effort and a lot of work. Um, The fact it's heritage-listed was a bonus and a a loophole, in a way, because City of Melbourne don't particularly want industry in the CBD anymore, even though it was the Melbourne city was built on breweries Mm -hmm. and, and that industry. So they want everything outside the city, but Heritage Victoria love the idea of the brand and keeping Little Lon alive, particularly because this is pretty much in the middle of the Little Lon two blocks in the city. They, uh, they actually have a greater say over the city of Melbourne in terms of what happens with their buildings being heritage listed. So it was a blessing in a way. It worked. Mm, awesome. Yeah. What happens after the, the 12 months, is it? Uh, I'm not sure. We're gonna, uh, so far we've heard good things that they're... The landlords are quite impressed. We've got a still in there. It's working. We're doing a little bit for the history and the place. And the landlord's all about people and place mm. over profit. So that's that's great. Uh, potentially, I don't know. In the contract, it says no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't. Uh, we can't renew or, or you know. There's no discussion at this stage. But I think it was well. There's a construction going on next door. Mm. They wait and see when it finishes what the place and the environment's going to look like because it's going to be very central to that whole courtyard area around the city block so fingers crossed we can stay here and they extend this for another year um, we'll wait for another few more months before we work out what comes next <laughs> um, so in fitting out the building for it to become a distillery and a bar were there any kind of like nice or nasty surprises in like I, I imagine you have to do a little bit of renovating but yeah heaps of surprises yeah. there's a whole <laughs> lot of permits and licenses as you guys know when you become a distiller and you have to get your um, what's it called per, uh, license to distill from the excise tax from the ATO that's a big one um, we needed to get a building permit for this building to change the use so we weren't building anything we're not going to change the fabric of the building we can't because it's heritage listed mm. so we couldn't put holes in the wall or anything like that so we needed to make sure we get a building permit um, by a building surveyor we could get our city of Melbourne planning permit which came through we needed to get our liquor license of course there's a whole lot of permits and licenses that in stages that if one fell over or one didn't come through then the project could have fallen over but we got about 50% of the way through and everything seemed to be lining up, going really well, until City of Melbourne Health came along and said, you're going to need a hand basin in here and another mm. wash basin there and another hand basin in that room and a hand basin in that room with a mop bucket sink and a preparation sink and we hadn't planned on having any plumbing because uh, there's no plumbing in a building. Yeah. So we had to get a very creative <laughs> plumber who could use the tap essentially out by the, the, the sewer point, the stormwater, mm-hmm. uh, and creatively plumb everything into the house and yeah, we luckily got through little grates that you see those air vents down the brick walls. We could take one of those, they get some pipes through. 
there was a mouse hole in the door. <laughs> so we were off an old corner of the door, and without that, we couldn't have got pipes through the door, let it close, and without the vent in the next room, we wouldn't have got water into the distillery room. So really creative plumbers, kind of expensive in the end, but um, yeah, without those guys, we wouldn't have got up and running, and electricians as well, getting everything sorted, and some help from some clever building friends to build false floors. So, no ghost stories, then? No. no? <laughs> there's um, there's a lot of history about all the interesting people that lived in the house and worked in the house and um, all the uses the house had, but no particularly ghost stories as such. Um, I've been working here by myself, often shutting the tiny little room, where the, which was a madam's room, and, um, yeah, nothing sort of, at this stage changed anything or affected anything. Maybe, maybe okay, the, the spirits might love the spirits, who knows. You showed me one day though the the room, the glass window in there. There yeah. was a so that was the lady at Randis Place's brother was Chinese. There was a Chinese character <laughs> written on or scrawled onto the window yeah. in that room. And it looked like it had been done from the outside and you can't actually get there's no the access outside. for anyone to get in, and it's still there. And I think Marion said it's a, it's a, it was a number, a number of something. Right, so we, we didn't notice it, and then we didn't notice it. So <laughs> it's kind of... That's the only bizarre thing, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your still, actually. What kind of still have you got, and everything about it. Sure. It's a, well, it's a 200 litre fuel capacity. It's a 280 litre still. Uh, copper and nine uh, plates in our, in our side glasses and a column there. It's a multi-purpose still in terms of its uh, reflux and condensing and can be used as a pot still and we have a gin basket. It was designed, we designed it about three or four years ago because we were looking to get a building that, at that stage. It's a similar look and feel to the European stills, the Carl stills in particular. We had it commissioned in China only because the wait list to get a still built in Europe or Australia was like 18 months, 16 to 18 months. Uh, we only had a 12 month lease yeah, yeah, we could get a still, we had a design, but we get it built and shipped over here from China within three months. So it was speed to uh, market and obviously cost barrier to market. China's a little bit more inexpensive than buying a Ferrari from Italy <laughs> in terms of a still, uh, European still. But it does a great job. The workmanship's amazing. And a few guys since around Australia and Melbourne have got stills from the same factory. So we're hearing good things. Fantastic. And it works particularly well for us. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, other people in the uh, distillery game, have you uh, had much interaction with um, any of the others or experiences with other um, distilleries? Yeah. Uh, we're looking for, uh, I think it's because about four years ago, we, we actually didn't, there wasn't many distilleries around, so we were learning craft from uh, experience and talking to people. Uh, we had Cam from Four Pillars come and check out check out our, uh, our initial setup and have a chat. And we had, uh, I was talking before about Seb from Craft & Co was uh, assisting us and trying to get set up those few years ago. Um, the guys from Melbourne Moonshine, Andrew's been fantastic. He came here for a site visit and said, what are you trying to do putting a distillery into a house? <laughs> but apart from that, he was very uh, encouraging and he gave us a lot of advice, especially in terms of getting our, our licenses. And um, what else, Patient Wolf guys, Came yeah, and checked out and helped us assemble our still. Assemble it, yeah. So yeah, we found we found a lot of assistance and, and help from the industry. It's very tight knit. We had um, Carolyn from Oh the Gin Queen came for our opening week as well, uh, and have said some good things. So, yeah, no, it's been very supportive. That's awesome. Cool. And how is um the local community? Because you are surrounded by all these shops and whatnot. How are they finding having a tiny distillery next door? They're finding it 
every day. <laughs> a lot of them still don't know. Uh, every day the doors open, we're getting people walking through and we just let the gate open and encourage people to come in because otherwise they wouldn't know what's happening. So it is a little brick building and it's stuck in the middle of office towers mm. and it hasn't been used for, for some time before that. It was an architect's office, so it was private. So people are seeing the gate opening, and what's, what's that? And don't necessarily see the sign, walk in and, and quite impressed by the way the door frames the still and have a look inside. And yeah, so it opens a cocktail bar as well, which mm -hmm. has been quite beneficial for the first two to three months while we're waiting for our bottles to arrive and get production up. We could run as a cocktail bar uh, for our after office work workers and they finish work at four o'clock, which is kind of early government workers, so they're down here <laughs> early on Thursdays and Fridays. <laughs> Well, that's how you get the, the, the sweet, sweet uh, permits for the next installations. <laughs> true, <laughs> true, good thing. <laughs> this place does actually really remind me of the movie Up, the Pixar one, where they've got the little house and then they put up all these big buildings next to it and there's just this one little house that stays. It feels a lot like that when you walk up because it's this old little building and then around it you've got all these huge skyscrapers and things. Are you asking if they've considered escaping with it with balloons on it? I was Filled with alcohol vapour. Yeah. <laughs> it could work. It's highly flammable, but... It's actually amazing when you look on, um, like, Google Earth and the satellite view um, and you can look at the, the Castleton building and the Telstra building and the scope and the, and the way that those buildings just come right up at you and then you look down, 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 further exploring, you just see this tiny, tiny little house in the middle of nowhere, really. You can't even really see it from that, but it's just tucked in there so tight amongst all these big buildings plus a new one going up next door as well. Yeah, yeah it's quite a precious building in the history of Melbourne as a, the last single-storey remaining single-storey house, if you like, in the CBD. So we quite, feel quite privileged to have been able to work with a whole lot of interesting people in terms of getting the, the, um, the distillery fitted out, but having great landlords and just the opportunity of starting something in the middle of the CBD has been fun so far, challenging but fun. <laughs> I have to ask, there's, uh, again, this is an audio medium and I'm talking about a visual thing, but um, there's a photo behind the bar. I was just wondering if that's of the madam that used to run the place or if it's just... That particular person? Yeah. No, she's not. She's actually from a book that... Uh, so on Saturday afternight we met a local historian who does crime tours around here and he poked his head over the fence and I was about to close up and fitting the bar out and there's sawdust shavings everywhere. And I said, why don't you come in and have a look? And he was like, well, really, can I? He very, felt very privileged to walk in because he had been on his tour for so long, this house. And uh, I brought him aside and he came in with his little projector. He had a handheld projector, laser projector. And on the wall, he projected all the mug shops of the people that had lived in and around the area. And in particular, this building you know, had police reports and, and everything like that. His name, quick plug, is Michael Shelfield from uh, Melbourne Historical Crime Tours. And a wealth of knowledge, he's read police reports for eight years and he's compiled amazing photographs and material of, and stories, human stories. So these two ladies are actually out of one of his books and we just popped them here to remind us, I guess, of the people that lived here once before, 100 years ago. I mean, she looks quite stern. She's, a <laughs> She's quite harmless, but could have been quite a nasty piece of work. There's a lot of nasty people living around here 100 years yeah. ago and they're all criminals of one kind or another. So that's the, way, that's the reason why we have... So many cool photographs and stories is because they've all had run-ins with the law, so they're all the mug shots have been recorded. But there is the yeah, the only known photo of Yokohama, who ran this, which is the most infamous, I guess, brothel owner, madam, uh, was only found like about five or six weeks ago now by Michael, who had had a connection with the fact that she may have 
once upon a time been in Tasmania, so he went to Tasmania and he looked through the records and he found the only photo of her because she had been in trouble with the law for stealing a pound of biscuits and got shipped from Tasmania to Melbourne. What? Oh, wow. Well, you have to, yeah, like hang that up somewhere and get it. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to put it somewhere. We've been meaning to put it in one of these frames. or But she does appear on our projection and, and on Sunday afternoons we have like um, a gym masterclass and we talk about the way we make our own base spirit from scratch and we, we, you can taste all our four of our gins and have a cocktail to finish but also learn a bit about the history of the area and we project uh, some of the mugshots, some of the people, talk about some of the stories, some of the police reports and some of the photographs of the area. So it's a bit like a gym masterclass with a side of history. Wow, yeah. that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Well, my birthday is tomorrow, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Halloween, and crime and Halloween, that kind of goes together. Yes. Yeah. True. <laughs> we don't know how many murders that have happened here, but that could have been the side of Halloween interest. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blood on the walls. And a lot of um, street fights and running with the, the police and, and things like that. But yeah, murders and such, not, not so sure just around here. Yeah, petty crime. Lots of petty crime. No underbelly, the little long. <laughs> yeah. It's yet. coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I also love how much uh, your bottle design has so much of that sort of atmosphere going on to it. So, like, imagining, once again, visual mediums. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, evoking that sort of sense of, like, what else would have been here. Is that, is, is that like, just an artist rendition or is it sort of a educated guess as to what it would look like. Yeah, it's, it's done by an illustrator who I've always admired, my background is visual arts, and so Kirby Rosanne is his name, and he's, uh, he's, he's quite a big deal. He, he, I've loved his stuff for ages. He does pen and ink drawings in, in moleskin notebooks, so very small, intricate details, and he's all about discovery and, and handcrafting, and that's what we're all about, the handcrafting of the spirits and discovery to laneways. So I pitched the concept to him on a book launch the first time ever he'd come out of Manila, out of the Philippines, mm. and he came to Melbourne places for his book launch and he loved the idea of it and so he I gave him a, a street map or the grid of the little long cities uh, city blocks and I gave him reference to the buildings that would have been there at the time and the, the people what they wore and that and said what would you do how would you make it happen and he came back with this illustration so it's representative of little Lon and, and the sorts of buildings and and that but he's had a lot of fun with the scale so the people are as big as the buildings and there's this kids climbing over top of the roofs and there's madams at court accosting gentlemen and there's a man walking his chickens and there's uh, people delivering goods so it's like the, we just wanted to bring the fun back to the to the city and this history and but in a contemporary fashion and style so Kirby's actually got like two million Facebook fans mm. and a million Instagram fans and so we feel we get privileged that he's illustrated that bottle we need to pop it up on Instagram and tag him and show him these works come to life after four years. <laughs> it's printed, in print. I really like it's on a white bottle as well. It really stands out. So if you're actually going to a bar, you'd actually see it on the bar as well. I really like that. Yeah, that's, that was the thought. So if that works, fantastic. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we like the idea. We were sort of inspired by our grandfather's got some old soda bottles from the, from the 1800s, some German soda bottles, and they're white and earthenware and glazed. And so we thought, mm. how do we do a contemporary spin on that? And it was a matte white coating of a glass bottle, but it has that same sort of earthenware style. Contemporary earthenware. <laughs> <laughs> it does work. I'm like a magpie. If something looks really nice, I'm like, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. If, it's, if it pops out and, and you put it in your hand and you look at it and it stays in your hand and gets purchased, fantastic. <laughs> So in terms of finding it, is Little On the only place to find Little On gin? 
At the moment, only the last couple of weeks have we got out and chatted to a few bars and restaurants and bottle shops, but uh, it'll be popping up in a couple of bars in the city, a couple of restaurants next week. It's in a couple of bottle shops down in St Kilda. So, yeah, gradually we'll start to get it out there. But we are in small batches. We're only making 150, roughly, bottles a batch. Um, and we're only doing that at the moment once a fortnight. So it's small, slow, starting steady. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll infiltrate Melbourne and the city gradually. Shall we try something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's what we're here for, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely try something. I thought you'd already been into it, no. No, it's <laughs> the process. We, 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 we butter you up and then we yeah, hopefully correct. get bigger pores for some result of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, yeah, let us know what you think. Did you line them up, Jay? Did you mix first? Yeah, so yeah. we've got the ginger mick, ginger and citrus first. Mm-hmm. Um, our Constable Proudfoot Rosemary and Juniper Gin second, and our Lychee Little Miss Yoko Gin third. Okay, oh, fantastic. So, starting from the beginning. Yeah, go for it. Oh, are you starting from the other end? It's a, uh, it, the. Which way are you going, Oh, yeah, don't worry about the, the note on the ginger okay. yeah. okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's <laughs> just be different. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your base spirit again? So, we're making our own base spirit. Yeah. Um, making making gin making 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 gin really hard for ourselves because <laughs> we ferment our own wash, uh, which we have mashed off site, but we ferment here on site. And uh, after that fermentation time, we load our still two hundred liters at a time with mash to pull out twenty liters of alcohol. So we do that three times. We pull out enough to load the still the fourth time and make a run of gins. I guess because we're not getting ninety five percent neutral out of our still, it's quite capable of high. Percentages like we can pull out about 88 to 90 percent, so it's that extra five, six, seven percent of, I guess, difference there that you'll get a little bit more wheat and, and perhaps a hint of sweetness, a little bit more malt comes through, so it's not clean, clean, a little bit more savoury, but that's a point of difference that we're, mm. we're leveraging in the way gin would have been made, you know, mm. to steal from scratch. It's really good, it's like quite different to a lot of the other gins that are out there at the moment, and I like that it, it's kind of got a spice to it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And a smoothness as well. Do you yeah, think? yeah. It's smooth, it's but you can sort of, it's like, it gives you that tingly feeling on your lips. Yeah. Like a little bit after. Mm. So we don't go absolutely crazy with all of our botanicals. Like we use about seven or eight standard botanicals. So obviously juniper berry and coriander seed, a little bit like star anise, cassia, cinnamon, um, some cloves and fennel. Um, the ginger and citrus one has quite a lot of citrus. So there's like lemon peel, lime peel, some orange peel. And then there's also whole ruby grapefruit and tangelos, which we use as well. So it balances out with the fresh ginger as well. And we use both maceration and infusion at the same time. It's good because it works as a summer and a winter gin because the ginger is really good for like wintry things. And then mm. with citrus, you've got all these options for summer cocktails as well. Yeah. So it's yeah. good. It's really versatile. It's pretty flexy. Mm. Yeah, it goes really well. I quite like the, the savouriness of it, like in a Negroni even. Mm. It's a gin old-fashioned because it has that extra hint of... As a fraction of malt in there and oranges, yeah. Have you made any sort of signature cocktails for the one, or are you just uh, perfecting the? Yeah, we're working with Jacob, mm-hmm. a bartender, talented fella, and he's made a couple of different takes on, say, the Tom Collins, which we called the Little Collins, and we use mm-hmm. a bunch of different um, reductions, you know, lemongrass reductions and ginger reductions that work really well with um, ginger meat. And we've got another cocktail which he's created. We call it the Ernest and Maud. 
and it's named after Ernest McAuliffe and Maud Compton, who lived in this house once upon a time. And the way he pictures it is, it, uh, Ernest was always getting in trouble in and out of jail, he was always getting in fights and you know, fighting, punching people up. So it's, uh, it's nice, it's a, it's a short, punchy drink, short glass served. It's a uh, pomegranate-based, but so far quite fresh, yeah. Mm, yeah, that sounds delicious. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so take two. And this was the rosemary? Yeah. Yes. Mm. So that's our Constable Proudfoot rosemary juniper gin. Again, we're using the botanicals that would have been inspired or, or perhaps lifted from the gardens of the houses that once upon a time flourished here. So ginger and citrus would have been a lot of fresh ginger in the ground, oranges and lemons growing in the backyards and the rosemary would have been growing in the front yards, rosemary bushes with those little fences, or the backyard. So again, we're dialing up those flavours based around the characters that would have moved in and around and lived in. Rosemary just is a home feeling for me, anyway, mm. just because we have rosemary growing in yeah. our front yard, so mm. it's just like, it's such a nice smell. So this is all handpicked from my own backyard as oh, well. Nice. Yeah, nice, nice homegrown <laughs> fresh rosemary. I like it, um, the savouriness of it. Mm. It's, it's like a nice change to the other one. Yeah, yeah. my nose. Mm. Um, and was uh, Constable Proudfoot a real character back in the He was, days? he was. Police Constable Bill Proudfoot. So he patrolled this area. He worked with plainclothes Constable Hickling. <laughs> and it was their business to know everyone else's business and keep an eye on things. Um, but he was also, he was a pretty smart fellow. He was a, he was a premiership winning captain of Collingwood football football club oh, right. from 1893 I think it was so oh, he's a, yeah and he even he played under an alias because the big police didn't want him playing football they didn't want police people associated with playing football so he played under a pseudonym for a few months as well <laughs> he was a big man for back in the day and he um he was actually an expert in like karate, I think jiu-jitsu as well, and boxing. Because um, quite often he'd be arresting two or three people using his, his fist and his baton. And then he'd probably have two other people coming up behind him with other weapons and things like that. So he'd be trying to fight them off as well. So I think the story goes, he went through about three or four different pairs of false teeth. Um, and everything too from, from being smacked around a fair bit. But he's quite a big man, quite a powerful man. Um, but yeah, his job really to, to know what was going on in the community and people's trust and ensure they're all doing the right thing. Wow, seriously, where is Underbelly Proudfoot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of the best names ever, Proudfoot. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and there's that, that close relation with Collingwood and, and Toothless Collingwood, because he obviously had a few <laughs> sets of teeth. So maybe it started as he got it from back there. But uh, yeah, so he's, he was a big fella, robust, so this is more our sort of robust juniper. Mm. Um, rosemary with a bit of pepper on the back. Very smooth. Yeah, smooth. Mm. smooth. Easy to sit. Yeah. Uh, is it forty-two percent or is it yeah? There it is forty-two. Yeah. And the smoothness, I guess we attribute to the, to the fact that we're making the base spirit, so we've just got that little extra control over how medicinal it can be. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. More malt escapes through. Yeah, you're getting closer to that health. I'm almost going to mm. go to whiskey, but. <laughs> we have been playing with and started. I guess when we started distilling it, yeah, a few years ago was um, Ginevas and, and Geneva. Mm-hmm. And you guys know a bit about Geneva being a predecessor to gin, so mm. we've, um, we've experimented with that and pushed our malt wine straight through our botanicals and, and got some interesting Genevas, which we do at our, share at our tastings. Uh, 
the masterclasses, just so people can tell, we have a sip of it and we're sort of educating people a little bit because not a lot of people know about Geneva, especially in Melbourne. It's not, you know, seed and shelves everywhere. Mm. So this, we use the same botanicals for ginger mick as we do for our, we call it Geneva mick. Ginger mick's <laughs> Dutch cousin. And, you know, people just have a taste and they go, oh, okay, that's quite different. And because it is, it's halfway to whiskey. It's, yeah. Sort of mold flavour. So we've got one of those you guys can try too. Ooh, so yeah, And we're finding like whiskey drinkers who come and do the gin sessions really are loving the crap out of that. Like they it's uh, got a real nose to it and I guess they're it's more they're more familiar with that maltiness which we're making a single malt essentially. Yeah. So that's awesome. we can't quite sell it because you can't sell you never outside the EU. It's like champagne, it's protected. We won't tell anybody. <laughs> 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 in the meantime, let's try the lychee gin. Yeah, so that's our little Miss Yoko, named after Yokohama, who was one of the madams that worked in the distillery room where we now operate. Mm -hmm. um, so she was she was Chinese. Um, the still's also from China, so it's, it's I think it's fitting to dedicate a gin after after herself. Nice. Using fresh lychees in her honour. Ooh, yeah, you can smell that. Mm. It's got quite a nose on it, but it's got a little bit of sweetness towards the end. Mm. But we're still working that recipe with this biggest seal. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. Yeah. So we made one batch of that, our very first batch, um, mm. and I think we, we, we nearly got to where we wanted it to get to, but we didn't have much time to experiment after that because lychees are out of season. <laughs> so we're just waiting for another week or two so we can get some more fresh lychees and then start start bottling our very, very first batch of... Um, Little Miss Yoko. Yes, doing a water or a tonic, really? Mm. I think we're just we're splitting that tonic yep. between us. I think, there's the, I think these might be tonics. Mm. Yeah, there's three yep. tonics there. This kind of, um, it has a moonshiny quality to it. It's got the, you can, the new make is a little bit more yeah. prevalent, so on a nose especially. And yeah, it does have a sweetness, but yeah, I think it's our little work in progress. Mm. I still yeah. like it. Yeah, the, like, the mouthfeel kind of reminds me of like, Rooftop honey kind of a vibe, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that sort of I don't know, like feeling it in the roof of your mouth so much. I'm bad at describing waxy. tasting stuff. <laughs> waxy. Yes. There waxy, you go. Waxy. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. is why we bring Gabby. pictures. It's a podcast somewhere in between all of us. Why do you try the universe? Because we've had a few people explain us that it makes their they can feel it. In, and, and face in the, so instead of going down the throat like some gins you can feel it obviously John this makes you sort of feel it around your nose and, and fills you she said it fills my face <laughs> <laughs> is it hard working with um, a fresh lychee because I know that working with fresh Cherry. fruit is a little bit on the harder side yeah there's more time and effort in yes pe peeling and pitting yes yeah and quantities of kilograms and of it. And you get a lot more oils out of it? And... Uh, with lychees, we have not really that oily, oily as such, but using, um, uh, so previously to this still, we were using a smaller still which had a thump up, whereas this one's got a gin basket, so it's vapor infused, and trying to get the flavor to come out through that lychee, because it's quite a weird kind of material, yeah, mm. weird, weird kind of fruit. Um, but just yeah, reading up a lot more about it, there's there's other little experiments and other little ways we want to try to, to really get that flavour out that we and even really flavours we can emulate lychee yeah. with like the strawberry gum, right? That was that was suggested to us. To yeah, like something to boost the flavours yeah. rather That's than 
um, just beat that one flavour. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah, it all comes into the science, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is why I come. <laughs> <laughs> just doing <it>. science. <laughs> Try that, guys. That's the Yinaba. If you haven't already, sorry, you might be going on the uh, yoga still. I'm just well, I'm saving a bit of it so then I can go back <laughs> really to the <laughs> Yeah, it's got quite a nose on it. Molassesy, like when you go into a horse shed. And you're like, oh, this is like, it's just instant, instant sweetness and like. Minus the new Yeah, yeah. Well, the horse shed, not the. the Did you have to do that just as I took it? Yes. <laughs> we nearly ended up with that all over the bar. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly when you wanted. <laughs> It's quite punchy, it's smooth, obviously, but it's got quite a strong nose. So yeah, that's the same recipe that we use for the ginger McGin. Mm. Same botanicals. Same botanicals. It smells like it's going to be stronger than it is, but mm. it, yeah, it mm. sort of hits the mouth and then it peters out in like a really nice, smooth way. Yeah. I can I can sort of see what they're saying about hitting your face as well, like it feels like the flavour rises up as Warming. opposed to going down. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Really stays at the front of your tongue as well. It does. Mm. It's a bit different, isn't it? Mm. We'll, we'll run some more of that and we'll keep experimenting with the botanicals a bit. But Unibar, it's, uh, it's such a cool drink and it's, uh, not many people here know about it. I spent about five months in Amsterdam working over there and went to a few different distilleries. And there's one, one in particular called Winyard Fokink. It's pretty much in the middle of the damn square. It's 450 years old. And it's, it reminds me of this old place, but not, you know, we're not quite as old as 450. But, you go on a bar and the shelves are almost a bit like that. You think it's so old that you know, <laughs> bottles are going to roll off. But they serve it up in uh, chilled glasses, like really dainty chilled glasses, on, on you know, really feminine glasses on stems, and um, pour it so it sits right on top of the glass. Yep. And then you sort of put your hands behind your back and you bend over and you have a bit of a <laughs> sip off the bar because it's too, hard, too full to pick up. So there's this whole process and method of drinking in and enjoying it, beneath, which I don't know, we, we'd love to try to share it here. The chill glass mm. would help with the, the heat of the alcohol. Yeah. You know, mm. it'll cool it down yeah. as you're drinking it. Yeah. True. That's really interesting. It's like when you put your vodka in, you're in the freezer. It mm. um, helps with the heat of the yeah. alcohol. And it actually brings out the flavours rather than... It is not as different. <laughs> just the different glasses, like a glen can, is a great for releasing the flavours, right? Releasing yeah. I only know what Jennifer is because we did um, gin trivia for World Gin Day this year and we were like, shit, we need gin-related questions. And that was one of them. There's some cool history. I mean, uh, the way it was developed when the British and the Dutch were fighting and having their wars and the British were wondering why the Dutch were winning and why they were fearless. And usually they were drunk on universe. So that's where that whole Dutch courage terminology came from ah. as well. So it's got a couple of different spellings and pronunciations as well, whether it starts with a G for Geneva, Geneva. Um, so G for gin, or sometimes it starts with a J for, for juniper as well, so yeah, a few different pronunciations. It's a really interesting spirit, like it's, it's, it's not a gin, you know, it's, it's the same spirit. Mm. I've definitely never tasted anything quite like it before. Mm. It's really good. Cool, different. I really like it. Yeah? Great. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything you can do to slightly, I don't know, like what, what, what would you have to do to make it available here in a Wider sense, like yeah, I guess like we could call it a malt, malt spirit, yeah, which is what it is, which is a bit bland and boring, but a malt spirit. Or we're looking, can you spell it differently and get away with that? Like spell it instead of G E N E V E R, maybe an 
or J-E-N-E-V-E-R, maybe spelled G-I-N, so make it a real Geneva. Yeah. It's a spelling one, might get around it, or yeah, or Geneva style, or yeah, there might be some legal, legal ways to get around. Yeah, but, I think. Um, yeah. I highly endorse this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have been loving it, so that's cool. So there might be something there to explore. Yeah, it's an, it's an homage, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lesser known spirit here in Australia, but it's been really good to be able to produce a style of that and educate people on it and let them taste it and you know, get the appreciation out from something they've never had before. Yeah, and particularly with uh, your guys' uh, like, uh, dedication towards history and mm. like education, like it yeah. just makes sense to it's do it. So, yeah. <laughs> it tastes good, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> How have you um, found the masterclasses are going for you that you've been doing? Are you getting like a really good turnout? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So far, it's been really good. They've been selling themselves on the Saturdays. We haven't really started advertising them. So people were finding them and maybe getting word of mouth and so on. So it's only a small space, so we can only really do six to eight people comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so far, people are really enjoying the history side of the story to the brand as well. And, um, the distillery is pretty much right behind them, so they get to sort of refer to stick their head in the next room, which is kind of a bonus as well for muscle classes. But yeah, they're, people are really receptive into the flavours of the gins because the base spirit's a bit unique. Mm. Yes, well, this certainly has been the most educational podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like local history and gin win. Yes. <laughs> I would certainly pay more attention to my mother's obsessive, like, trying to find which convicts were related to kind of uh, mm. trajectory that she's on at the moment. If the they, family if they, tree. Yeah, <laughs> the family tree. If they made gin, I would be way more interested. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we do have another question that we usually ask everyone sure. every episode. Um, <laughs> and it, it is about a different spirit. Um, when was the last time you had a Jaeger bomb? <laughs> Everyone's face instantly goes, oh. oh. <laughs> Two weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> it's the most recent one we've had on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think mine was probably, it's probably my, my wedding, like five years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was the drink to have back then. And I remember my uncles were getting the Jager bombs. Jager bombs with old people and everyone's enjoying it. So that was probably the last time I remember it. And we started out um, yeah. sort of taking the first out of Jager and then when we had Chad Parker, our friend on the podcast, he's a cocktail maker and he said, no, there's a way you can drink it and it tastes good and it's yeah. called a Jaegerita. Yeah. So it's like a margarita with Jaeger instead of tequila. I have yet to try it because I am still... I still don't much. believe him. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool name though. The, the name enough. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tempting it. enough. But yeah, we've not quite come across a part yeah, we'll do it. Strawberry or lemon or what flavour would you go with Jaeger? <laughs> That's a question for Chad. Yeah. <laughs> it's got like 56 botanicals, right? So it can be hard to find something that can really mix with something from that too. Mm. Yeah, it seems like the kind of thing you just throw like some Mountain Dew in it or something. Yeah. <laughs> or Red Bull, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whoever invented it was onto a really good thing right there for, for a few years or a decade. It was a drink, everyone's drinking the bar. Oh, so, yeah. I had someone ask me at the bar the other day if they could have one. I went, no, we didn't have like It was a shitty bar too, but there was a bar in the city that um, I went to once and asked for a Jaeger bomb and they had a sign being like, we don't serve fucking Jaeger bombs here. <laughs> I'm like, so you don't want your clients to be awake and still drinking? Like, this is a silly decision on your part. <laughs> 
You have like those hour computers for people to log into. And, oh wait, I'm really dating myself by talking about an internet cafe slash bar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's my birthday tomorrow. <laughs> Excused. Cool. All right. So, um, aside from a physical location, how can people find you? In terms of. In terms of finding the bottles. Finding the bottles. Finding you online. Finding or... us online. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So our, our website. Mm-hmm. Obviously, littleondistillingco.com. Mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram. Uh, yeah, purchase bottles on site, booking masterclasses, everything's available. Or actually, just Google Little On, it's so much history around it. I mm. think uh, it's this interesting thing. So, you'll find all these interesting stories that, that we've sort of found and more. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us. It's been another delight, um, and also, yeah, a history lesson that. <laughs> I think all of us are just going, mm-hmm, yes, you d- definitely I've heard of that thing that you're talking about. I have no idea what the thing is. I'm horrible with the Melbourne, Melbourneian history, let alone Australian history, but uh, I want to look into it more. Mm. Yeah, yeah it's really interesting. I'm totally going to find out if there was a murder in the area. <laughs> That's Ollie's special. Yeah. Yeah. Finding the murderers. There's amazing, amazing stories about tunnels coming from Parliament House as well to these areas, which were the slum areas back in the day, mm-hmm. and the uh, the mace from Parliament but going missing and being found in the backyards of one of these places. So there's just, yeah, there's got to be murders as well. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look up all the murders. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, next Halloween it will be a, like a spooky, a spooky distillery. Yes. You should definitely do a little thing next year. <laughs> but <up>. yes, provided <laughs> that you get there next year. <laughs> we might be here next year. We might be a 12 month lease. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> it, is my, it is my birthday wish that that happens. Nice. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, we get weird. incredibly interesting and informative interview. I am ashamed at how little I know of Melbourne history considering I've lived here my whole life. Yeah, it was really cool. I feel like I got a history lesson and a few drinks in the middle of it, so that was pretty awesome. And they also let me behind the bar, which was even yeah. cooler. Yeah, Gabby got to make us some Negronis. It was fun. Yeah, they were very delicious. Yes. Yeah, we all got to hang out for a little bit after we finished the interview, which was, yeah, really cool. Going from outside of it where it's like surrounded by office blocks and then suddenly inside, it is like time travel. It's so interesting. So highly recommend you go and check it out. Uh, They do do stuff, parties and Christmas parties, as long as you've got about uh, 10 people, I think they said. Yeah. Yeah, 10 people. Mm Uh, so I highly recommend, yeah, and I ended up buying myself a nice bottle of the Rosemary uh, Constable Proudfoot gin, which is damn good. It's nearly over, though. Yeah, I've nearly run through my Ginger Mick gin, which yeah. is a damn shame, but an opportunity to buy more. Exactly, and it's so close by. Ugh, yes, because we, we all live on opposite ends of the city, so sometimes it's a bit of an ordeal getting places yeah. as a group. I think that was the first time that we were like meet in the middle. Yeah. yeah. No, it's so convenient. Yeah. More distilleries in the city, I say. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of more distilleries, if you'd like to rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever kind of podcasting app you so choose to use, then we have some more interesting things coming up in the near future. Uh, please feel free to shoot us an email, jingalspodcast at gmail.com, should you have any recommendations for people you want us to talk to, or if you make gin and you want us to talk to you. Yeah, and you can follow us on social medias. At Jingalspodcast. At, at Jingalspodcast. 
uh, <laughs> on Instagram, Twitter, and I think I've updated the Tumblr. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Who uses Tumblr these days? I know. I logged back onto mine just to see what it was like, and it was two people still updating. Mine got hacked. Oh, no! <laughs> it's fine. It's just Tony Abbott fanfiction anyway. <laughs> We need to read some of your fair oh, fiction yes. on the podcast one day. <laughs> I did create the genre of Hootie and the Bluefish Judge Judy crossover fan fiction, and <laughs> if you have an interest in that, let me know and I'll send you a link. <laughs> uh, speaking of creative things, um, our theme song uh, is The Promised Land by Kate Bart. You can follow her at Kate Bart Music. I did our logo, and I am at Jess W D U B B L U on Instagram. Uh, I'm Gabby from Gab Gab Skin Stuff. I'm Alwyn at O-W-L-W-Y-N. Thanks so much for listening, folks, and we will see you again soon. Cheers.